Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Okay, so Steve asked me to preach this morning on John 4. The Samaritan woman that meets her Messiah. But before I do that, um, I have my mom here with me today. She's down from, from Ladysmith for the weekend. So wave, mom, wave at everybody. <laughs> I just want to honor her because I've got four brothers, and three, uh, at least three brothers, and they're all overseas. So she is 19 grandchildren, and only three of them here in South Africa. The rest are overseas. But you know what? We are all serving Christ. My youngest brother is an elder in his church. My oldest brother is um, a minister in the Church of England. And my third brother is with Hillsong Church and is on one of the worship teams. So you know what? A mom who prays, as a result, look at her children. And next to her is my daughter. (laughs) who's also in love with Jesus. So you know what, guys, you might be sitting here today. Moms, I encourage you. Grannies, I encourage you. Pray for your children because that gets passed down from generation to generation. It's a promise in the Word of God. Okay. Now, I've, I've read this passage over and over and over again and said to the Lord, show me what you want to show me. So I went onto YouTube and I found the most amazing video clip And I could not do this justice without showing this to you, rather than reading it to you. We will go through it after the video, but I just want you to imagine you see this woman going through this town and what Jesus, just an encounter with Jesus does to her. And you know what? It's a timeless, timeless figure, the Samaritan woman. She is a timeless figure because it could have been any one of us. Any one of us could have been her that day. So enjoy this movie. It's six minutes long, so I'm going to go off the stage. Thanks, Steve. A testimony. Come and see the man who has told me everything I have ever done. A testimony is a powerful, powerful thing. Do you know, if you don't have a testimony, I encourage you to get a testimony. I, um, I grew up with a mom who introduced us to the Lord. I think when we were quite still young, my mom found the Lord. And we used to wake up in the mornings with Justice Mtungu. My mom used to put on the radio, 6 o'clock in the morning. And I used to hear this man, wake up kids, wake up kids, rub those sleepy eyes. Wake up, wake up, it's time to hear about Jesus. <laughs> and I promise you that... That enthusiasm and taking us to church, and we were at the Methodist Church, and um, it was just a time of learning, getting the Word in. And I I just want to encourage you, the Word is powerful. The Bible says it is more powerful than a church sword. It is that powerful. It cuts through. And I'm a little bit off my notes here, but I'm going to go for it. You need to hear this. When you speak things over your life, They are powerful. God says he created you 
in his image. God spoke the world into existence. You speak your world into existence. Okay? But you don't speak it from just a wishing. You take the word of God, and this is where the two-edged comes in. That two-edged in the Greek, it actually speaks about two-mouthed. So in other words, God's already said it. It's in his word. Now when you take it and you speak it over your situation, it becomes a two-edged sword. And that cuts through your situation. You can't say, Lord, you know what, thank you that my bank account is fine. Take the word of God, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Though the lions grow weak and hungry, those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. Though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor, so that I, through his poverty, might become rich. Those scriptures have to roll off your tongue if you're going to defeat the enemy in your life. You need to get the word into you. If it's sickness, you need to learn healing scriptures and learn them so that when the time comes, and even if you're not sick now, learn them. Because a time will come where someone you love close to you will need those scriptures. And it's, it's that word that cuts through those things. And I, I found the Lord, um, I think, more real in when I was like about 18. And I got so excited um, that now I was experiencing him in my life. And two of my brothers at that stage were, at, um, were missionaries in Sudan. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to go and be a missionary too. But the year before that, I had made South African schools hockey. So I was kind of in a dilemma because I knew God had given me a talent, but I wanted to preach. And I wanted to go and share this, this newfound love that I had with him. And we went to um, the Methodist Church in Camperdown, which our one was in Eston. So the people at the Camperdown Church, we didn't really know them. Our, our pastor was preaching there that night, so we went to go and support him. And he got us to stand in circles and just to pray for the people in our groups. And a lady came up to me and she said to me, I saw you giving like tokens to people getting on an airplane. And all these people were walking carrying hockey sticks. And on the token had meeting Jesus. And, you know, that became my testimony. I knew the mission field was not for me. God had called me, he'd given me a talent with hockey, and that was going to be my mission field. You know, a few years later, um, I landed up being in the police, and I landed up working in the chaplain services, and I worked with missions. So, in effect, God brought everything of my heart's desires to fulfillment, and I landed up playing essays under 21, I was in the women's squad, and you know what, I'm still playing hockey today, because of just who he is and how good he is. And no matter where you are, what your situation is, what your talent is, what your desire is, what your, your passion, the Lord has given those things to you. And you cannot do them without Him. But do them with Him. And you've heard me say this before, because I love the saying, and I, and I heard... Uh, Bill Johnson, and I said this the last time, I heard Bill Johnson say this, where he said, take that scripture from Acts, where he says, go and raise the dead, heal the sick, drive out demons. And if you, whatever you're doing, do that. If I'm a hockey player and someone goes down and someone's sick, I go and pray for them. You become a witness where you are, where you're planted, what, in your workplace, in your, in your um, 
whether you're a rock climber or whether you belong to a book club, you cannot go undercover to those things. You cannot. Guys, we, there is a dying world out there. We, we were at a bra last week, Dave and I, and there was a guy there, total atheist. And I knew that, and I just felt like, Lord, give me an opportunity to speak to him about you. And he started speaking and saying they're going to Australia. And um, they kind of like looked at Dave and I and like, what are our plans? You know? and, I, and I used that opportunity very quickly. And I said, I am not going unless God tells me to go. <laughs> and he was like, God? God speaks to you? But anyway, you know, God gave us literally, what, two hours to talk to him about the Lord. And uh, he didn't go away believing. But you know what? The word went in. And I've got to trust the Holy Spirit to finish the work that he began. And I know he was touched when we were praying for him. He was like, oh, I've got goosebumps going through me. And the one guy said to him, that's the Holy Spirit. And he went, no, it's not. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Steve, if you can put that first slide up, please. This lady, the Samaritan woman, before Jesus, things that you need to know. Um, the Samaritans and the Jews did not meet eye to eye. Okay, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, and Jewish rabbis do not speak to women. So the mere fact that Jesus spoke to her as a woman was wrong. The mere fact that she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew was also not right. And then he took a cup of water from her, and that straight away made him unclean, according to the Jewish religion. Because if they touched anything that the Samaritans had, they would become unclean. You know, and I can't help but see that, that this passage in this part kind of throws racism and gives it a kick right out the door. You cannot be a Christian and hold an offense against a black person, a white person, a colored person, an Indian person and then come to church every day and still have hate in your heart for those races. If you are a Christian, this, what Jesus did, is our example. I love the fact that he put stories like this in, that John wrote this in, because these are things that, that's why I said it's a timeless figure, because it cuts across all those things. And you know what? I don't want to make you feel condemned if you're sitting here today and you have issues. But get to the feet of Jesus. Ask him to give you a love for people. Ask him to give you a love for other races. And he will. He is so faithful to do that. You have, the Bible says you have the hope of glory living inside of you. The hope of glory. You have his Holy Spirit. Greater things will you do in this world than he did in this world. Greater things. You cannot, you cannot keep this gospel to yourself. This woman, she had a bad reputation. There was a load of things that um, you can see just in that picture. The lady's face that's on the right-hand side of her looking at her. 
she she's gone through five husbands so possibly other women don't feel comfortable with her near their husbands there was all this following her and so her reputation just you can see she's she's shy she looks away she looks down and she walks and there's this whole thing going on before she gets to to Jesus at the well and uh he is, he is so beautiful in the way he says this. The Samaritans, um, just a history, a little bit of history here. When Jesus said to her, you Samaritans don't know whom you worship, the Samaritans had their Bible as basically the Pentateuch, which was the first five books of the Old Testament. And so he was saying with, with the Jews, they've got all the writings of the prophets They've got the Pentateuch. They, they basically had a lot more than what, and they knew everything about God. The sacrifices were for him. They also knew what it was to go against God. So now you get this lady who, who's standing across, and he asks her for a drink of water. Samaritans were a mix of Jews and Samaritans, and they were a mixed race and not loved. And um, if you look at, if she'd known the Bible, which, or her Bible, the, the Samaritan Bible, which she shows she did know it because she spoke about um, the, the worship. We worship God here and that you Jews believe we should worship him in Jerusalem. So she had an understanding, she had an, a, a knowledge of her Bible. Now, I hope you don't miss what's happening here. The ladies, if they were caught in adultery under the Levitical law, they would literally take a glass of bitter water, take the dust, the shavings off the ground from the synagogue, throw it into the cup, and then give it to her to drink. And if she was found guilty, Basically, she would get a sore tummy and she'd get very, very ill if she's guilty. Otherwise, it would have no effect on her. And here we have a rabbi asking her for a cup of water. The rabbis would normally ask her for a cup of water in a sense, or give her, or at least give her a cup of water. You hear what I'm saying? They would give her the cup of water, if you're guilty of adultery, drink this. And here she's, he's saying to her, give me a cup of water. You, you've got stuff. I don't know if you've got stuff, but you need to give it to Jesus. All that's going on in your mind, in your heart, in your families, you need to take it and you need to give it to him. There's a beautiful, it's so rich. The, the, the whole parable of the Samaritan woman is so rich. And I'm not going to go into a lot of the, 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 the water that Jesus talks about. We sang that song this morning. Springing up deep, deep wells. He stands there at a well and tells her, you know what, this water is not, every one of us, 
every one of us every day get up and we you know we got to eat something we got to drink something we're worried about our finances we know we got to go to a job and all she's doing is getting water and Jesus hits her with the gospel and tells her that this water is not going to make you ever thirst again and suddenly she's like well give me this water because this water you know it's been here forever so this water that you're talking about give it to me and I love the fact that he looks at her and he says to her go and get your husband and you can see she pulls back a little bit and I don't know if it was bewilderment or sarcasm that she answers him back and, and basically like I don't I don't have one and you you see how Jesus says you've spoken the truth and I want to I want to stay there with the truth because I don't know why I'm going down this road but I, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit with this If you've got things that are going on in your life that are, you're not getting over them, you need, to, you need to go to Jesus and be truthful about them. Bring the truth of your situation, of what you're going through. You know, the Lord knows everything about you. Every single thing. You think, you do, you say, He knows it. And the Bible says he always looks at what's going on in your heart. So if you're battling with stuff, take it to the cross, take it to the Lord, and hand it over to him, give it to him. And let him give you back that living water. Let him give you back what he's promised to give you back. A few years ago, um, when I left my husband, I, I'd been going out with this guy, and we ended up sleeping together. And I was a Christian, and I had such a conviction in my heart that what I was doing was wrong. And I went and um, I saw one of the, the elders' wives. It's not this church, different church, just to clarify that. <laughs> and. Um, I said to her, listen, please just pray with me. I don't know how to get out of this. I know the Bible talks about keeping the marriage bed holy. And you, you know what? The fact that I've been married and divorced and guys just think that it's fine now when you've been married once that you can do it again. It doesn't matter. But I said I, I wanted to keep that part of me holy. And um, anyway, she went to the, the pastor and she told the pastor about me coming to see her and what I was involved in. And so early um, one morning, I don't even know if Kayla will even remember this, early one morning um, on the way to church, I get a call, a call from the pastor and they need to see me. So I go to their house and him and his wife were sitting there and um, they basically said to me, listen, we've had this discussion with the, the eldest wife and she's told us that you are seeing this guy and you're sleeping together and uh, you know that this is sinful and... You either need to repent or we're handing you over to Satan. And I'll, I'll never forget the desperation that came over me at that moment. Because I love Jesus. 
I really did love him and I, and I didn't know how to deal with this war that was going on inside of me. And the last thing I wanted to happen was to be handed over to Satan. And I remember just saying, I, I repent, I repent. I'll turn away from this thing, you know. And basically, I was told, go home. You're not allowed to come to church until you are completely restored. And yeah, it was it was hectic. And I'm telling you this because I went home that day and the kids, I put a video on for them downstairs and I went up to my room and I went down on my knees and Josh Groban was playing a song and on the DVD, or at least on the CD, sorry. And the words go, every time you, every time you say you love me, the world goes still, so still inside. Every time you say you love me, everything changes. And you know, I, I'll never forget, I, I sat on that, that mat, I don't know how long, but I cried and I cried and I cried, and waves and waves and waves and waves of His love came over me. And we can sometimes say things to people. Sometimes people say things to us that are offensive. And you know, I sometimes say that it's, it's, it's often a measure of maturity in Christ when someone says something about you, whether it's true or not, is whether you take that offense and hold on to it. And then the question is, how long do you hold on to it? Because offense can keep you from receiving miracles. It can keep you from receiving what God has for you. You need to take what people say to you, take it to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, if this is for me, then help me to deal with it. If it is not for me, take it away from me. You do not need to carry offense and you do not need to give it out, church. We are to love one another. God did not tell us to go around judging one another. Jesus didn't not deal with her sin. He brought it out to her. But in such a way, you could see that the love that came with it. But I, I thank God that there was a grounding in me of who Jesus was, that I knew to run to him after I was kicked out of that church. And I realized it was not who Jesus was. And sometimes churches can misrepresent the bride and misrepresent what Jesus is doing. We serve a good, good God. He loves us and he cares for us. And that truth has got to be something inside of us. Do you know, I, I, a few months after that, in fact, I came back to this church and um, we heard about the, the grace gospel and someone gave me a CD and that's what made me came back. Oh, it was in 2009 with, with Rob Rufus, the very first time the grace message came. And I am um, through all of this adulterous affair and everything going on, battling, battling with the sin and trying to serve God and loving him and then feeling like a hypocrite and feeling guilty and what do I do with all this? And um, 
our, our office, our, our work was giving away two cars and we had to send, I was in real estate, we had to send a few referrals out and if we had sent so many referrals out, our names would be put into the, the competition box. And long story short, I won one of those cars. I asked him, I said to him, I need a car. Lord, please, let me win one of those cars. And I'll, I'll never forget, it was, the sky was blue outside. And um, I asked him, I said, please, can I win one of those cars? And it was like the enemy was standing right there, and he just said to me, you don't deserve this, and besides, your priests don't go further than the ceiling. And I kind of like just left it there. We went away on the conference, and at the conference, people were lying on the cars and claiming the cars, and I remember just having an absolute peace inside of me that, you know what, if this car's for me, God knows if it's meant for me, it will, it will be for me. And if it's any, for any one of my agents, then I just prayed it. That will be. And um, yeah, so they called me out and I won one of those cars. So when I heard the grace message, <sighs> Steve, you can change that, that. That's what I felt like. Hey, look at that. Church, this gospel is not for us to keep to ourselves. There are so many people that don't know Christ, that don't have a relationship with them. So many people that, that hold the Bible sometimes and say they're Christians and yet their lives don't show it. One of the guys that was at the brow with us, going back to that story with the, with the atheist, and I pray for him that he will be a son of God. But one of the guys was a Christian, and one of the ladies said to me, oh, that guy, he's a bit of a player. And he's, he'll go to every party he can get to. So he's a party animal. And now she's not a Christian, the lady that's telling me this. And, and then in her next breath she said, and him and his wife go to church every Sunday. So um, when we were chatting to them, I thought that God, I'm not moving anywhere without God. I think it was like one, one stone hitting two birds because that guy needed to hear. The Bible says they will know you by your fruit. The world knows you by your fruit. Okay? Don't think they're not watching, because they are watching. While we were talking to this, this guy, the Christian guy said to him, you need to listen to what I'm saying, telling you to do. And this atheist turned around and looked at him and said, I know you. Don't talk to me. It's sad. It's sad when people go to church and there's no change. Because that's what happens when Jesus arrives and he comes into your life. Rodney Howard Brown was one of the first guys that I listened to. And I'll never forget, he said, when Jesus meets you, it must feel like a mag truck has hit you. 
when you get up, you look different. You walk different. Everything about you is different. And, I, and you know what? That lady, the first evangelist mentioned in the Bible, and she went out and a whole village got saved through one lady that no one had the time of day for. But Jesus. But Jesus. That name that beautiful, beautiful name. You cannot, you know, Steve's been talking to us about discipleship and talking to people. And I, and I love this because that shows what we should be doing. You should be going out and bringing the people here, bringing the people in. There's too many empty chairs here. We should be filling this place with the good news of the gospel. Come and meet the man. And you know what the beautiful thing is? If you read a little bit further, the villagers actually say to her, now we're not going on your testimony because now we've seen him for ourselves. So now they believe. And that's what discipleship's about. It's taking somebody, telling them, walking with them, telling them about Jesus. And then they go, now, I don't, I believe you, but now I know for myself who he is. Because this, this walk with him, it's a growth. It's a progressive walk. You shouldn't be where you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Your love for him grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. He changes lives and he's still changing lives today. And he will continue to change lives. But you know what? He needs you to change them. He needs you to know what you have inside of you. The hope of glory living inside of you. You have got every bit of peace that you need. If you're not feeling at peace today... You have peace inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have peace inside of you. Speak to the storm inside of you and speak, speak that peace over your life. We serve a wonderful, wonderful Father and we have a truly remarkable gospel to take out to the world. And you know what? I want to know when I get to heaven, I'm taking a lot of people with me. Don Francisco, I was listening to this song, kept going on in my head, so I played it this morning. And he's a, he's a person that takes scripture and he puts it into a song. And he, um, he gives the story about the, I'm trying to think what the, the guy, the centurion with the, with the child, with the fever. But he finds Jesus and his, his child gets healed. 
and this is how the song comes out and he's it, the 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 chorus goes i've got to tell somebody i've got to tell somebody i've got to tell somebody what jesus did for me so church i'm going to leave you with that you got to go tell somebody you can't sit here at church after sunday 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 and not tell somebody about him see lives changed See people set free. See those that are sick be healed. When you step out the boat, you've got to step out the boat. And you know what? Through everything, he promises never to leave you, never to forsake you. And I'm going to say that what Dave said this morning, if God is for you, who can be against you? It's the word of God. God is for you, who can be against you? So, I want to leave that with you. Get the word in. Get the word in. Know the word. Put it into your life. And go and tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Thank you, guys.